We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined today by Jake Seeley. Jake is the senior fantasy writer and award-winning analyst for The Athletic. He also hosts the All In Sports Podcast, which can be found wherever you listen to your shows. So please do subscribe to that. And of course, right now you can get your first month subscription at The Athletic for only a dollar. So seriously, get on that. The article that we're going to be discussing today is worth the price of admission and more on its own. So do check that out. Also follow Jake on Twitter at All In Kid. Jake, thanks for joining me today, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good now that the, this this work is done for the time being. And then draft weekend is all I care about. And then gonna be busy for what four straight days because right. <laughs> it's it's live by live analysis, then post draft grades and new rankings for dynasty and new rankings for seasonal, and then all that. So it's basically gonna be Thursday through Sunday. I'm, don't even try to get right. Right. And of course, now, like you finished this article, you've got a little bit of a break, but you've got all the baseball stuff going on. So there really is never yeah, any downtime I, I, for you. We were talking about that. Yeah. No, so actually next week uh, for everybody out there, that's like next week is the final um, first time I'm going to have like a few days off in the longest time. That's like that one buffer range is after the baseball season starts. And then right before the NFL draft, I get this small sliver of a window where it could take like three well, days off. Well, hopefully there's no like huge breaking news with uh, with trades and all that kind of stuff beforehand. So you can actually. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the NFL having all these trades beforehand. I don't remember the last time it's been this heavy before we even got to the draft. Yeah, it's been crazy. What did you think? I mean, we're recording on what is it? I think it's Tuesday today. Yesterday we had the uh, the Darnold to. Carolina trade happened. What do you think? What do you think of that? What do you think uh, the fantasy implications are for that move, both for the Jets and the Panthers? So, look, it, it, the problem with Darnold is if you take his career to date, it's worse than Teddy Bridgewater for all the analytics that we want to throw out there. Whether you're talking about yards per attempt, you know, twenty plus yards completion percentage downfield. Actually, the yards per attempt is pretty close, but the completion percentage, on target percentage, all that stuff. And the one thing I noted is that he targets his wide receivers seven percentage points more than his running backs. So his running backs are seven percentage points lower than Bridgewater, seven percentage points higher at wide receiver. So there's what it just almost almost split down the difference between the two positions. So you say all that, you say, all right, well, maybe Darnold didn't have the best talent. He didn't have Christian McCaffrey. He didn't have a decent offensive line. He had a poor wide receivers. He had Adam Gay. So you throw all these explanations out there. I don't think Darnold is done for yet. I wouldn't surprise me. Everybody keeps comparing him to Tannehill. But if we take the Darnold of today, it's a downgrade. Like, that's the thing. Like, right now, I'm not saying he can't improve and that they can't. I mean, hell, if they figure things out here, then, you know, give them all sorts of awards for the coaching staff and what they've been able to do. But if you see the difference, I say that it's kind of like a fantasy comparison. Sam Darnold has the higher ceiling. 
but the likelier bust potential. Sure. Teddy Bridgewater is the safe one. So I think you can say Robbie Anderson and uh, DJ Moore get a slight uptick, especially with the uh, departure of Curtis Samuel. And now Darnold's going to target them more. The interesting thing is, I think this kind of, and I'm not saying, don't call me crazy, but I think this pulls Christian McCaffrey down to being in the conversation where he's not the definitive one-on-one. Like, okay. Because Darnold doesn't throw to the running backs as much. And what if he continues that trend? Again, he could improve, but I think as of today, you could make a case if you say, you know what? Coming off a serious injury, I'll take Dalvin Cook number one. I wouldn't call you crazy anymore. Before this trade, I would have called you crazy. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to say Cook or uh, Saquon. And then you said injury. I was like, what? Which, which way are we going here? <laughs> so, yeah. I, Saquon's got a billion to come off of. So, yeah. Man, it's, it's crazy. He, I was still, you know what? He's the only, He averaged more fantasy points per game back when his healthy season against Christian McCaffrey. So, and again, this was before, you know, Christian McCaffrey had already had a huge season that year. So, if there's one person that could unseat McCaffrey, I still think it is Barkley. Yeah. but. Now two injuries in a row. That's a lot to ask. I think you can make a case for any of them. And like I said, it was almost McCaffrey by himself. And I think now you can make a little bit of a case for the other two, a little bit of a case. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And and what about on the Jets side? I mean, we were all pretty much assuming they were going quarterback. And it looks like Zach Wilson is a guy that everyone's assuming. Uh, you and I will break down your tiers a little bit later here. We can get into some of that stuff. But just from the Jets perspective, going Zach Wilson, do you think that will make uh, a significant impact for this upcoming season, long-term, sure, that's a different story. But for this year, rookie quarterback, he's right. probably going to be handed the reins right away, uh, especially with Darnold gone. So what do you think that means for for guys like Mims and, and the rest of the, the crew there in New York? Uh, so I, I think it's basically just treated as Sam Darnold's still there. Right. Like, <laughs> pretend for everybody out there that if you want a piece of the wide receivers, honestly, pretend Sam Darnold's still there. Zach Wilson is uh, like what 99.9%, as you said, is the assumption there, but it's a rookie quarterback who's not on that upper echelon of tiers where like he could come in from day one, like Justin Herbert's type of season. I would be surprised if Zach Wilson has a Justin Herbert type season. And to be honest, I'll, one of my biggest misses of the past 10 years was Justin Herbert. Like yeah, I yeah. just, I did, I, I watched three years of him not improving and in three years against poor competition, not improving and then comes out and balls out. Granted, he has a lot of weapons, but I think that's the difference too. Zach Wilson, for what he's walking into, okay weapons, sure. not great. So you can make a case for a couple of the guys there, but I think just the best way, if you're thinking about it from a value for just 2021, as your question was, I'd say pretend Sam Darnold's to still the quarterback, and that's you'll probably relatively value the players properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm an Oregon fan. Like I love the ducks. And so just seeing what Herbert was able to do in the NFL, I was like, why, why were we allowing him to go deep? Like there was no vertical game. It was all anyway, we don't have to get off on that. I will, I will lose my mind thinking about how we misused Justin <laughs> Herbert. Um, now brought you on to talk fantasy football, but what I really, really wanted to talk to you about Jake is so start. I followed you on Twitter for a long time. And like many people, you know, I came for the fantasy football advice, but I stayed for the fail train. You're just the many, many interesting and hilarious um, encounters you've had with uh, various women over apps uh, has been a, at your expense, but it's been a joy. It's been a joy to follow. And I appreciate you for just sharing that with us, especially during the pandemic when life was there? rough, like just seeing these uh it's been awesome. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, I appreciate it. Like it, it start. it wasn't even intentional. It was just the one was so baffling to me. So the one that kicked it all off, I don't even know if you saw the very, very, very first one. It was the one with the topical versus typical. Oh, I actually Did have it. That one? I have it screenshotted and on the show doc because I wanted to <laughs> read it out because I loved it so much. <laughs> So that's for everybody out there. I'll let you read it. That's what kicked it all off. And then people were like, oh, my God, we need more of these. And I'm like you said, I've got some pushback on it, obviously. And it's the thing is, like, I'm not trying to make fun of these girls and none of them are out there. I'm not putting anybody's name out there. Um, it's what you said. It's it's frustrating for me. It's laughable. So laugh with me and laugh with my pain. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you're my friends. And like, yeah. I, I so. I can't do it anymore. Just and this isn't like a humble brag. I can't do it anymore because of my Twitter following is just I don't have the time anymore. But when I first started out years and years ago, when I was in the five ten thousand follower range, I answered everybody because I always said I pretend like it's you walking up to me on the street and be like, "Hey, Jake," blah blah blah. Sure. I wouldn't walk right past you and be like, "Screw you, I'm out of here." <laughs> yeah. But 
so I consider people who follow me like uh, like acquaintances. Like you're my friends. You you don't let that so laugh with my pain. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. I am gonna read it here. So I'm guessing she because I didn't see the whole thing in the clip, but it looks like she's got like a podcast or something, and she's like, it's called Quarantine. I got bored, so I played off the pandemic, and you replied, "Ha, huh, topical." And she goes, thanks. I think you mean typical. Enjoy your day, asshole. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> Did you mean that message for me or for someone else? And she goes, no, it was for you. It was rude. <laughs> and then you have to explain the difference between topical and typical. And it's just so fantastic on so many levels. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm sorry. <laughs> the best part about it is that's not even included. Is so Well, two things. So it was actually videos that she was making. Um, and it was you know, like old school Cinemax type of stuff. If you want to know what that, like I found it on YouTube because it can't be too bad on YouTube because it's on YouTube, but it was out there. Um, but the thing was, is after I explained it to her so that I can't screenshot it because it was gone. The message was sent. And within five minutes, she, she, she like unmatched me. Oh man. So I was like, Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Let me unmatch uh, this guy. That's rough. That's rough. Uh, but it's been, that's not even like, that's not even like the, the fact that I got, I, I don't know if you saw like the one where I got sex shamed because I hadn't slept with enough people oh, I, and she thought it was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Ever. I saw that one too. I saw that one too. So here's this, I'm going to share this specifically for you and everybody listening. This, I couldn't put it all out there on Twitter. The worst part about that one is she FaceTime me to have the conversation to be like, I can't believe you've only been with two people, blah, blah, blah. It's so crazy. Blah, blah, blah. When she FaceTimed me, she was sitting on her back porch with three friends, a girl and two other guys. Oh, fun. So she's trying to have this conversation <gasps> with me in front of her friends, hanging out on the back porch, having beers. They're like, that's the most rude right. thing I've ever seen in my life. Let me let me talk to you about your sex life in front of my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And and speak and this is also during the pandemic. Come on now, wear a mask at least. Let's let's keep it safe. <laughs> that was very, very, very early pandemic. Yeah, okay. Some people weren't weren't smart enough back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, my other one that I liked was the girl who wanted to go on a four hour walk, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I like going on walks, but four hours, let's not get crazy now. <laughs> and she's like, only boring people get bored. Oh man. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> only man. boring people get bored. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Th thanks for that rudeness there. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, so you and I. Uh, well, I, I'm glad you appreciate it. I don't know if. I don't, I was going to say, I don't know if there's been anything recently because the football season took up all the time. Right. Like, so I, I deleted them right in August because it was like a football season. I'm not going to have any more time. I was trying to think if there was anything recently. I know you start talking. I'll, I'll think because I had a couple. Oh, there's I'll give you, real quick. This isn't even out there. I had one recently. Um, Got all the way till. So we matched earlier in the week. I did what everybody said. Look, see, I also took people's advice. I also listen. People are like <laughs> free advice on Twitter. Like, try this. You're doing this wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, I'm listening to you guys. I'm reading what you said. And a lot of people were saying similar things. And this is why I took the advice. A lot of people were saying, you're texting too much before meeting up. Just text a little bit, plan a date and go out. So I did that with one girl or tried to. So imagine like Monday, Tuesday, few texts on Friday around noon. She ghosts. Haven't heard from her the rest of the night. So Saturday morning, I text and say, you know, like, or no, Friday night, I was like, I, I haven't heard from you. Is everything all right with work? Blah, 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 whatever. So I wake up Saturday morning to a long text about like, sorry, it was a miserable day. I just want to go to bed. My apologies. I should have communicated better. I said, okay, yeah, give her sense. a fair shot, cool. whatever. Yeah. So I text back and forth for a little bit. She sends me a picture of her in bed, not naked, just covered up. <laughs> be like, can't wait to see you. So I didn't know if she was insinuating something, <laughs> but text back and forth and be like, do you want to meet up at like six or seven? I'm going to see my niece and nephew blah, blah, blah. And at noon disappears again. And then I legitimately never heard from her ever again. That's just so weird. <laughs> it's so much <laughs> fun, isn't it? Oh man. It's so frustrating. I, Cam Akers, if you're listening, which you're not, uh, <laughs> let's do this. We, we both need to find a girlfriend slash wife. Let's get this done. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see his tweet? No, I missed it. Oh no, no. He misspelled oh, it, didn't he? Or he wrote something. No, he said, I need a, he said, I need a GF and then followed up with actually, I need a wife. Oh, there, so, it is. there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you remember this. We got into it a little bit, um, but it, I was probably week two or three of last season. Um, so one of the things I do for Rotoviz is I write a kicker streaming column. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so I agree with you that all kickers should be banned from fantasy football. I agree. Premise <laughs> is there. It's right. ridiculous. However, 
I'm like 10% of the leagues I'm in because I'm a degenerate. I'm in like so many leagues. About 10% of them still have kickers. And a lot of people, unfortunately, do have kickers. And so while I agree that we should ban kickers, if you are going to play with kickers, the only way to do it is to stream the position. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I do love that you are, uh, you're one of the people spearheading the movement to get rid of them. It's, it's going to happen at some point. Just put it in another flex. Right. I, I will say that like, for everybody out there to, to understand that I'm reasonable is I made more money on FanDuel when they had kickers than I did on DraftKings because it was an exploitable position in DFS. Right. And that's where I will agree because it's the streaming strategy. But where I say like even a seasonal strategy is like there's you're, it's the same thing as when quarterbacks were streaming. There's still... I'm not saying you do this, but you know, you've seen it. You've seen the people that wait till the end of the year and they're like, if you played this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Yes. Yeah, of course. Playing hindsight football is great. I yeah. would love to do that all the time. But they're like, if you stream this guy and this guy and this guy, and then there's ones where they're like inside the top 10 and like, okay, well, they weren't available 50% of leagues, that type of stuff. So I, I get it. Um, again, DFS, you could get me slightly bought in only because I exploited the people who were too stupid and paid up for the top end kicker all the time. Right. Um, but that's the only, that's the only, but we no out of seasonal leagues, get it done. Uh, extra flex spot, have more fun. Have you, have you liked kind of recently the, the movement to like the super flex position? Is that something that you are in support of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Too. I'm definitely a hundred percent in that because you know, I'll compare it to PPR. Um, but better than PPR in my opinion. So PPR, I actually hate full point PPR because PPR was brought in, you'll remember, it was brought in because everybody dra drafted running backs the first two rounds. And it was just running backs, running backs, running backs. And yep. it was like, oh, we got to do something to make wide receivers more valuable. Instead of understanding like, you know, hey, sports change. These are the type of runs we go through. So we bring in PPR, which skewed the opposite direction because not too like too long after that, wide receivers in the passing league became more happy and they had already started to balance out. So now half PPR I'm fine with, but full point PPR was made because we were trying to rectify our problem of more value to receivers where it's gone so far in the other direction. So that's where I say super flex is similar, but better. Super flex is now at the point where quarterbacks are way too valuable to have like QB one talent sitting on your waiver wire all year long. So right. adding the super flex adds that extra depth to the position because we shouldn't be sitting in leagues where, you know, I'm trying like Tannehill last year, not 2020, 2019, was sitting out there for like half the year and he finished as a top 10 quarterback. Like these guys shouldn't be on waiver wire. So that's why I love Superflex. And then, you know, it obviously adds the whole other strategy of do you punt the one week and just go with two quarterbacks and say, all right, all right I just have to live through his bye one week or do you try to roster three? And yeah, I just think absorb more talent at the quarterback position. There's just too much hanging out there. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point on PPR, uh, Jamison Crowder all of a sudden being super fantasy relevant. It's not probably the best thing for, uh, for everything. Theo Riddick was gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, let's let's dive into um, like your article. First question is, why are you getting lazy on us, man? Last year you did 88. This year you're down to 85. What's going on, man? <laughs> it's uh... Actually, the year before that, too, I did 101. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, well, this is why. It's because, yeah, 101. Well, so one, they're all skill positions, yeah. and I got to the point where I was like, "Look, I'm I'm done doing thirty undrafted players. <laughs> like, right? I'm just trying to find a happy medium, and I probably could have pushed. There's a couple guys that just barely missed the cut, and you might have even seen their names float out there for some other people. Who are like, hey, don't forget this guy, don't forget this guy. And I'll I always do post draft analysis, so I'll throw these guys in there if they get drafted. And I don't think all eighty five of my guys are going to be drafted. I think most of them probably you'll find on undrafted list after the draft is over and stuff like that. But it was more so just my sanity, and like right. you know, writing up a paragraph or two on another guy that's just not even going to get into the, and not even being undrafted like out there in the CFL. That's for Emory Hunt. I love it. Everybody go follow Emory Hunt too. By the way, it's just as a shout out to my boy. Yeah, no, you did great work here. There's um, like, I'll be honest, like the first time through, like it was like just looking at your tiers and, and looking at the names and then, you know, had a little bit more time. So I actually started reading up on all these guys too. And man, like I am a college football junkie. Like we on the podcast, we do like Debbie stuff. We do deep college DFS. And like, it was good for me. Like there's a lot of stuff in here that I was like, man, I didn't realize that. And I'm a, I'm a degenerate. So awesome <laughs> stuff. Really good work. I, I'd love to um, kind of go through position by position here and just kind of talk a little bit about, um, okay. you know, some, some maybe a sleeper and a bust for each 
one, uh, maybe a guy you might see make a, a big jump. Um, and also just like personal, like your personal favorite guy at the position. But before we jump into that, um, I'd love to just kind of hear what you look at. Like, are there overarching rules or trends that you focus on uh, with your evaluation? Are you more of a, you know, analytics guy, film tape guy, mixture of both? At Rotoviz, we like to, <laughs> like, we're big analytics guys, like uh, for, for wide receivers and, and running backs too. Like one of our main metrics that we're kind of looking for is our dominator rating. It's just kind of looking at a player's share of the production at the position um, by both yards and touchdowns. And then like that, that seems to be a good indicator of how they'll perform in the NFL. So kind of when you're, when you're evaluating players, what, what do you look to? What are some of your, your key um, statistics or analytics or tape watching stuff that uh, you kind of focus on? Yeah. I, I, it's definitely a split uh, for the longest time. I always say, if you're not doing both, you're doing it wrong. Uh, that's just my opinion. Like if you're only analytics, you're doing it wrong. If you're only film, you're doing it wrong because it goes hand in hand. For, and I say that for all sports, you know, like baseball's really started to get into analytics, kind of how football has been uh, recently. But you see, if you're watching the baseball analytics, they're not throwing out from what you see as well. So once you get to the point where like you can visualize by watching, I think that needs to be a big part of it. I would say the split I used to say like 50-50. I'd probably say the splits were a little bit more 60-40 because 60-40 for film versus analytics just because, and I'm not trying to take shots at anybody here, but I just use them as the perfect examples because David Montgomery was the perfect example before him and now Zach Moss is the perfect example after him. They're not bad players, but where I'm going with this is that the past two years, if people are paying attention to draft capital for fantasy purposes, fantasy draft Twitter, if we want to call that, is that all these broken tackles in college and right. like bra- broken tackles. Yes. That's important. Uh, elusivity is important. All these met like they're testing. It's all important, but one specific metric or one specific anything. Like if you just take one specific game, a film, any one specific thing, isn't a clear picture that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to basically it's the making the mountain out of a mohill or whatever. It's the opposite of that. You're like trying to visualize the mountain by looking at the, like the little tiny hill. So, sure. um, you just can't take it. And like, you know, you would never look at, like, again, go back to baseball. You'd never watch one pitch of a pitcher and then take his entire ability and have a whole opinion of it. So that's why it's 60, 40 for me. Um, you know, it just, the film, I can't explain it really more than just being able to watch and say, look for, skill i mean you look for players that break off and create separation you look for players that you know if anybody's watched running backs you know the difference between somebody who plants their foot and goes versus somebody who kind of almost stutter steps for their cutbacks like these type of different things it is like it's stuff that you have to learn like you've anybody out there who's watched a lot of football well you probably have seen these things but not realized that that's what you're seeing um so I think a lot of people out there, even if you haven't played the game, you can learn and watch football and learn how to be like, I want to call a quote unquote scout, but you can learn enough of anything if you want to take the time. And so anybody can watch enough film. But again, I say all that to say, if I watch film and like, let's say I'm going to scroll down to like, I'm trying to think of a name, like Trey Ragas at a Louisiana Lafayette. If I'm like, oh my God, this kid, he's a hidden gem. I can't believe whatever. And then I go watch his metrics and he runs a four seven and you know, his, his shuttle looks terrible and they can't leap and all this type of stuff. I'd be like, uh, okay, maybe right. I was off on so something. Let here. me, yeah, let me go back. And that's what I'll do is it's the other way too. Like if I have somebody low and all of a sudden they're testing off the charts, be like, all right, let me go back. I probably missed something. So that's why I think it goes hand in hand. Right. No, that's good. I, I appreciate that because like most things, you know, like the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. And I do find that people just get so pigeonholed or maybe like they just swing to the extreme to be contrarian and try to prove a point. But uh, I, I like to have a little bit of both. Um, you know, Rotoviz, I, I, I tend to steer a little bit more towards the analytics and the film, but I definitely see the need for both. And I like having people on uh, like right. like Christopher Harris, like he's a hardcore like film guy. Love talking to him about football because he has a different perspective on it, and it you know can be very eye opening. Um, yep. Okay, before we jump in, I lied. I do have another question for you. So I'm in the middle of a bunch of like startup Debbie leagues, <laughs> okay. uh, C to C leagues, and stuff like that. I'm curious, what's your approach to a rookie draft? If you've got a team, like, are you drafting the best rookie available for your team, or are you kind of looking at where your team has weaknesses? And like, if you're a little bit low like on wide receiver, you're just going to get the best wide receiver or try to trade down, or are you going to go after who you perceive has the best value? What's your approach to rookie drafts? 
best value with attention to need. So, um, you know, you look at that too, like wide receivers, we know this and the dynasty are always going to carry more value than running back. Even if I'm loaded at wide receiver and the wide receiver is definitively the best player, you know, I'd still probably lean wide receiver. But that being said, now if look at this year's draft, if I have the number one pick and my wide receiver can be improved, but I'm looking okay, running backs looking okay, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, no question about it. Even if it's only one quarterback, because you know you're looking at what's going to bring me the longest term value here. We all know that. That's what Dynasty is about. Trevor Lawrence, if he fails, he'll be one of the biggest busts of all time because he should not fail. Like, I know we're not talking about quarterbacks, but I just it it goes into this conversation. If he busts, this is not. This is when you when you hear generational. I hate that word. Me I know too. a lot of people. <laughs> people use everybody it every does. year. Every year we've got they two new generational players. <laughs> and you can't with a generation. You can't have that every no. year. But when you hear people say that Lawrence is the best since Andrew Luck and the best since Peyton Manning, and he is generate with for once in our lifetime, it's not hyperbole. Like I, I know you're you were probably going to bring it up, but I added a tier zero this year yeah, I because that. I normally put my players into tiers. One, two, three, and then I explain at the top of the article what those mean for likely fantasy value. Terrible Lawrence is tier zero, in my opinion. Like he is somebody that he should be Andrew Luck. So if you're sitting at the number 101 and you're okay with everything, I'll lean towards that. If you were just look, I'm in a one quarterback league and I'm sitting on Aaron Rodgers, but I also got Josh Allen for cheap. I just don't need quarterback. I'm solid at running back. I'm loaded at wide receiver. And you know what? Maybe you think about Kyle Pitts, but obviously you try to trade down. But I, I say that the best player, but pay a little bit of attention to need because um, it's like a real NFL draft. Like you want to pay attention to your holes, but you're also not going to let's say let's say for argument's sake, none of these running backs were tier one this year. Let's just say it was an awful year for running backs. Like no Najee Harris, no ETN, no like the next group of guys was where we were starting, and you had the second pick. You, you wouldn't take a running back with a second pick just because you need running back help. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Right. So that's just where I'm saying you got to kind of fold it in. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I really struggle with that one, man. I'm always like, man... I really, I, I tend to freak out and uh, try to address my holes, which then I regret later on. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, then when we get back, we'll jump into the article. Um, I really hope you're right about Trevor Lawrence. I'm a Seahawks fan, but uh, the Jags have always had a soft spot in my heart. So like, it would be fun if they were relevant again. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Anyway, quick break. We'll jump uh, back in just a moment here. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash RotoViz. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking around. Let's get into the quarterback position, Jake. I, my first question for you here. Um, so your tier one, obviously, well, you mentioned already like your tier zero is Trevor Lawrence. I want to talk about your tier one because this might be controversial. Um, I happen to agree with you, though. So you have Justin Fields as your number two quarterback. And everyone wants to put Zach Wilson, maybe even Trey Lance and Mac Jones ahead of Justin Fields. Why are you keeping the faith and refusing to give into the dark side here? (laughs) Well, let's take the easiest one. You saw the highlight pass of him rolling out and throwing it all the way downfield across and everybody went ballistic. Wait. Was that Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? They both did it. They both did it. And Justin Fields got like half the attention. Right. Um, Look, let's be like, let's, you know, dance around it, but let's be honest about the assumption when it comes to quarterbacks. There's an assumption. And I think, uh, who was it? There was the former quarterback. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's putting it out there and says the lazy oh, analyst Orlovsky. out there. The, no, not Olavsky. He, he's the one that got trashed for it. There yeah. was one, there was, no, it wasn't Brian McFadden. He was talking about how the the lazy analysis of a black quarterback is that they struggle with read progression. Like that's almost, you could just throw it in as the first line in every sure. single one. And, you know, he's not wrong to a degree. And I'm not saying everybody out there has that same perception, but there's an inherent perception about it. Like, let's look at basketball. Let's be honest. Like, you see a white guy playing basketball. You're like, oh, he's probably a three-point shooter and plays good defense. You know, these are perceptions people have. And I think that's always going to cloud some opinions. But if you watch Justin Fields play, and I put this in the write-up, and kudos to Emery Hunt who pointed this out, about his comparison to Dak Prescott, who Emery was one of the highest people on Dak Prescott when he came out. I wasn't even as high as he was. So this is why I bring it up is because if we were talking and somebody just said, Dak Prescott is in this draft, knowing what we know about Dak Prescott, he would be the number two pick, no question about it. And everybody wouldn't be having a problem about it. Dak Prescott wasn't thought of that back in that draft. He wasn't thought as highly as he is today. And I think Justin Fields is running into the same situation because where he does struggle and I even put this in the write-up too, he's not quite Tim Tebow, but that mechanics issue is a little bit there, and that's where you see it sometimes as a throw, and it's not even so much his read progression as it is his ability to get the ball out quicker. Um, and then you're going to always say that. wind-up release. Right, yeah. that long wind-up. So, and his pocket presence hasn't been great so far, so he needs to improve, and people see that. And in the NFL, you worry about pocket performance. So I understand that, but it's a narrow window my biggest issue with zach wilson is struggling against some mediocre quality like not even great quality but like mediocre quality and i know he has everything but i just feel like if you switch their roles and you put justin fields and byu and zach wilson at ohio state people will be talking about zach wilson as potentially better than trevor lawrence i think it's just a perception mm-hmm. thing so it's a very narrow window and that's why i do tears is because yes fields is ahead of wilson for me but it's very close to where I can still see Wilson having just as good as a career. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. My question when I saw this, I mean, cause I, I agree with you. Um, I love Justin Fields. Matt co-host um, is a huge Ohio state fan. So we get to hear about Ohio state all the time on this podcast. So obviously huge Justin Fields <laughs> love. Um, but, but for me, like even just uh, NFL aside, just from a fantasy perspective, the upside that Justin Fields carries with his mobility um, is just yeah. insane. And then, and then, and that's where Trey Lance comes into the picture as well. Like, uh, he could be, you know, Jalen hurts from last year where he's running all over the place and we'll just have to see if he can throw. We just don't have much tape on Trey Lance. Are you, you've got Trey Lance pretty high here. You feel pretty confident about Trey Lance, regardless no. of where he ends up. <laughs> it's all the upside, no, isn't it? I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't feel confident at all. I, I think the easy, 
and I don't usually do player comps because I think you can get caught in, in traps when you do that. And I think a lot of times, but you know, it makes it easy for people who don't watch football, like watch like a college football or don't try to analyze. The easiest thing is like, I, I, I can't picture somebody who struggles with read progressions. I can't picture, and I'm not saying this to talk down to anybody. I'm just saying, I understand it. Cause like if somebody wanted to do that for basketball for me, I would get it because I don't, you know, I don't know that what the next Zach Levine looks like, but if you said he's going to be the next, I, okay, I get that. Right. So I understand the cost and that's why this is such an easy one. Yes. It's Josh Allen. It's Josh Allen all over again because he has the same issues that Josh Allen had. One of the things I wrote about Josh Allen when he came out of college, I said, the dude can fit it into a pinhole, but he can't hit the damn door <laughs> or a peephole, but can't hit the damn door. And he's improved. And you see that. And I think Trey Lance has a lot of similarities. Like he waits for the window. And in the NFL, if you wait for a window, it's not there. Right. It's gone. Um, so I think that somebody and where you hear the rumors, potentially the 49ers, I actually think that makes sense if they hold on to Garoppolo for one more year. Let him sit and learn. Let him sit and develop. Um, the ceiling is Josh Allen. He does run, too. He does make those aggressive throws. He does have all the intangibles you want a quarterback to have. But he has all those same issues that Josh Allen had coming out. And let's be honest, I think this is where people fall into the trap of Trey Lance. And I mean NFL evaluators, too. Like the guys you see on TV that all they do is NFL draft. I think because of Josh Allen's success, we forget that Josh Allen's like one out of 25. Right. Like he's not the common situation for somebody with his ability and consist inconsistencies. So I don't I don't have a lot of confidence. I think Trey Lance could end up being gone in four years. But if you're talking about a pure ceiling upside after those first three quarterbacks, it's definitely there. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I was totally wrong on Josh Allen. I did not think he was going to make it. I I thought it was <laughs> such a reach. I wanted nothing like this time last year. Everyone was hyping him up for like, you know, sleeper QB. And I'm like, I ha I want zero shares. And now I feel like a big idiot. So <laughs> like, it just shows like we can definitely be wrong. But you know, law of averages says that most of those guys don't work out, but he happened to. Right. Um, so real quick. Outside I mean, people fell in love with Blaine Gabbard and Brock Osweiler yep. and oh, Jake man. Locker and all these guys that were like, uh, it, like, look at all these abilities. And it's it's more common to fail. But anyway, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, other than the guys that we've talked about, maybe some of the some of the later guys, who's someone that if you, they, they end up in the right position, uh, like the right team ends up drafting them, who's maybe a, a sleeper quarterback that you uh, you could see maybe jumping up a tier based on if they end up in the right position. You know, I'm going to go back to, it's funny. It's like, I'm, I'm bringing up all players that I actually have a player. Comp with. I don't do that a lot, but I'm going to talk about J Jamie Newman for wake forest. I think if he ends up on a team that wants to work with him, because some of his biggest issue right now is I said, like Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, if everybody remembers, just fastballed everything. And it became, there was a detriment to his overall upside, but it didn't stop him from being a good player. Right. Uh, but Jamie Newman does the same thing. It's like he's out there throwing 95 miles an hour gas fastballs. Every single, you got a running back five yards from him and he fires <laughs> it into his face. And the, the running, you'll see it. Like you'll see receivers and even running backs just, they don't even get their hands up in time at Wake Forest because the ball was just coming out so freaking fast. But that's what you like about him. He's got the arm strength. He's got the NFL size. The release is obviously fast as hell. He's got good accuracy. It's just, what does he struggle with? And I know we just talked about that before, but this is, I also said this too, is like saying somebody struggles with progression reads as a college quarterback coming to the NFL is probably nine out of 10 quarterbacks. That's sure. a very common thing to learn what it's going to take at the NFL level to make progression reads because you have to anticipate so much more. But if he can just learn touch and start making better reads, I think we could be talking about Jamie Newman two or three years being a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I, I was bummed that he like because obviously he he transferred to Georgia. We were all excited about that. And then, you know, COVID hit and he didn't get to play. Um, he had also right. been looking at going possibly to Oregon, which I was really hoping would happen as a Ducks fan. That didn't happen. But yeah. And um, I think that, like you said, that not being able to play, I think a lot of people forgot about him. Yeah. And that's, that is my fear is just what happens. Um, and then that, that's going to be a common theme with, with some of these guys that we're going to talk about. Um, let's move on for the sake of time. We could talk, you know, we could do a whole episode on each position, but we're not going to <laughs> running backs. Your, your tier one, you know, I agree with, I like, I like Harris and Etienne a lot. Where uh, I was, so I was talking to uh, a couple of uh, buddies of mine. I was like, "Hey, I get to talk to Jake today. What, what, should, what what's something that you want me to ask him?" And they're like, 
have him explain Michael Carter over Javante Williams. Both UNC running backs. What are you seeing from <laughs> Carter that you like so much that you have him as your third running back in the class? So again, for everybody out there, remember they're in tears. Yeah. So <laughs> while he might be listed in front of Javante, and he is, he is. Like if I, if you said who do you like more, I'd say Michael Carter. But we're also the reason I do tears is because Michael Carter ends up. I'm trying to think like I'm trying to think of a perfect team for it. Like, let's say the Bears just moved on from Tariq Cohen and brought him in. Be like, yeah, that's great. Now he can be that like RB2, RB3 value in the timeshare backfield. Um, if somebody drafted him as to be a pure third down only, barely ever sees the ball, like Green Bay behind Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Like, well, screw that. Sure. <laughs> no interest. Yeah. Same thing with J- Javante Williams. Javante Williams gets drafted by a team. And he's the lead guy versus being a backup. He gets stuck behind Derrick Henry or something like that. So it's always relative, and that's why they're in tears. But if you told me between the two, I do give Carter the slight edge. I think Carter's college experience and actually performance got a little overshadowed by Williams. But because Williams is so powerful and so like so good at making touchdowns, he's not a big playmaker. Like he's kind of I'm trying to think. This is why I don't want to do comps is because I can't even think of what he doesn't do a whole lot more than what he's given besides breaking the tackles to get a little bit more like how many 40 yard plays does Javante Williams ever really get? Not, not really anymore because he doesn't have that elusivity, which includes your vision at the second level. So I think that if you're looking for the guy that's just going to grind it out every single game and get strong, Javante Williams is your guy for me. What Michael Carter does is look at that first sentence that I said about him. Salsa dancers, <laughs> vision, his foot, or, or envious of his footwork. This dude can dance between anybody out there, and he's all over the place. Uh, obviously, the size is going to be a concern, but we're in an NFL now where, oh God, I'm doing another player comp. Do I can't it, believe do I'm doing this. I love it. <laughs> Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones for, my, for Michael Carter. Aaron Jones. Similar size-ish, similar skill ability, and Aaron Jones is being talked about as a f- top five running back again because yeah. he's back with the Packers. And I think that's Michael Carter's upside. The downside is you could have seen Aaron Jones drafted to a team where he was the compliment, and that's why I brought up that timeshare. So that's why. I think Michael Carter has Aaron Jones upside. I think Javante Williams ceiling is capped just because I don't ever see him being huge in the passing game, and I don't think he's going to be breaking a lot of home run plays. Yeah. Yeah, it just reminds me of like a guy like Chris Carson. I mean, they have been using him in the passing game. There's but that that that's a good one. Like yeah. Javante Williams, Chris Carson, great comparison. Because so I obviously like Williams. Yeah, I just like Carter just a spit more. Yeah, because Carson, like he'll get a breakaway. You know, like touchdown city, and not, nope, someone finds a way to run him down. <laughs> sure, it's a nice twenty-three yard run, and you'll get a couple of those. But man, that that home run play is missing. Um, I want to jump down to some of yep. your um your 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 lower tiered guys just because. Uh, I find them to be kind of the most interesting players because the other guys are going to go early. They're probably going to have decent draft capital, but these other ones, it's all dependent upon what day they go, what team they end up on. So let's ignore that part of it for just now and just talk about the (laughs) players themselves. This time last year, I was so excited about Chuba Hubbard. He was everyone's, you know, consensus one or two back right up there with Travis Etienne and, and Hubbard. They were, they were neck and neck. And now Hubbard is all the way down. He had a really rough year at Oklahoma State. A lot of that was because of COVID issues, struggled with the offensive line. Uh, Spencer Sanders was out for for a couple of games, Mm -hmm. so the quarterback play was not great. But Hubbard struggled. He ended up leaving early. Um, What are your thoughts on him? Do you think he can regain the form that got us all excited about him in the past? Or do you think... Um, what we saw this year is more likely of an outcome because you kind of ha- you're not low on him by any means, but you also don't have the confidence that you have with like the no. guys that we were just talking about. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on Chuba. So I think the thing with Hubbard is whether or not it's going to honestly, I think it's up to him because the area of concern and what we saw in college, too, is whether or not he wants to do the effort to make it work because he's going to struggle behind any poor offensive line. And most running backs will like, it's very rare that you get the McCaffrey's and the Saquon Barkley's and stuff like that. Like, you know what? I can make, yeah, I can make do. And that's why, you know, these guys are down here, but the biggest issue is that offensive line was such a detriment to him because he goes down on first hit too much. Uh, He just, I, and you watch him and it's just that leg strength. They just put some there. And uh, you know, the, the concern I have with Hubbard is get more leg strength, get more power. Don't go down so easy, but his elusiveness and his speed and being able to dance inside and outside, 
does he lose that if he puts some weight on? So that's where I think he's going to have to really focus and pick that up because you see that the power lacking in pass blocking too, which is going to also hinder him from getting on the field as being able to do that. But you still saw the pop. You still saw the burst. You still saw the fact that he can outrun a lot of defenders once he gets to the second level. And he's patient too, which is a lot of running backs aren't coming out of college. A lot of running backs want to try and do too much. I always said that about Marlon Mack when he first came out. It's like sometimes instead of just taking a zero-yard gain, he'd dance around and take a five-yard loss. Sometimes a zero-yard gain is fine because it's better than losing yards. Um, So I think Hubbard kind of falls into a, look, you have potential. We see it. You're not done yet. And I do remember that. Like Hubbard was first-round talk last year. Um, But we saw that, uh, you know, unless he gets an offensive line that's making that push up front, he could struggle, but it's it's a correctable struggle, and that's why I still think there's upside for him. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I've got so many Debbie shares of him, so like, I really wanted to hit because I was using <laughs> high high capital on him last year because everyone thought he would be a, a can't-miss guy. Another guy that I really, really like who uh, kind of struggled this year because he only played in one game and then and then took off, and that's Kylan Hill for Mississippi State. Uh, had to you know, deal with going from a, a more traditional offense to Leach coming in and wanting to throw it all around the yard. Uh, he didn't get much running back work that first game, but he caught like nine passes for 100 plus yards, something crazy. I don't have it in front of me. I just remember that was that crazy game where Mississippi State upset LSU. Right. But uh, what do you think of Kylan Hill? Am I crazy for for being in love with this guy? Uh, in love? Well, what's relative in love? Uh, so <laughs> for everybody out there, we'll do another player comp because yeah, it's fun. Um, and maybe that's why you picked this one out. Cause this is one of the few ones that I actually included of running backs as a comp is Jordan Howard. Um, and I use, I, I feel bad for Jordan Howard cause I use him a lot, but Jordan Howard, uh, is what I call like the no nonsense. I can find 20 running backs who do what you do. And that's not to say you can't be successful. It's just, why are you special for me? And it's like, the thing with Hill, the thing with Howard and people, why I use Howard as a good example is because you know exactly when I say Jordan Howard, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. He takes a lot of what you give him. Sometimes he gets a little bit more, but often it's just what you give him. And he's okay in the passing game, but not great. Uh, the difference between this is Hill still has potential. Like Howard's book has been written. He's done. Um, but if you see, like you said, we didn't get a full example of Hill last year. He's got better short area agility that I think Howard has. So I still think there's a higher ceiling, but as of right now of what we've only seen from Hill, he's kind of like, you know what? He can be a fine part of a timeshare in our backfield. He can carry RB two, RB three value if he's the lead guy. But right now that's kind of like where he's at. And if he doesn't improve, he'll just kind of sit in that range, which isn't bad. It's just, it's not, this is why he's down here in tier three. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just love him. <laughs> it's like there's not a whole lot of reasons why other than I just he's fun and just I like slip him. slip through the lanes a little bit more, man. <laughs> yeah. Like stop like and that's why I mean just given is he's somebody like when you see those running backs that just kind of run with their offensive line and then you know just they try and then slip out and get an extra yard or two. Don't keep running like the offensive line slower than you. Just right. go. Don't <laughs> yeah. get your own. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What's one guy that we haven't talked about that uh that you could see making a big jump if landing in the right opportunity. Uh, I think to, to your point about Hubbard is Puka Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people forgot that Williams was somebody who was highly thought of a year, two years ago. And, you know, went to Kansas. Uh, I think he's a very slippery running back. Uh, similar is the lower half needs some strength. Um, he gets taken down at the line, at the line of scrimmage too often can get taken down at first contact, but, where I kind of compared him to is like a Philip Lindsay where he's surprisingly strong. He's, he's never going to be the most powerful, obviously because of size. Right. But the thing where I think Philip Lindsay is a good comparison is it's Philip Lindsay with quite a, not quite as much in between the tackle ability. So now you say, all right, take away Philip Lindsay's power between the tackle. And I say power in quotes, but power between the tackles. And you have a nice compliment pass catching, elusive running back who again landing in the right the right situation could be an RB3 in fantasy. Um and I think he has some weeks to like break out some big plays and get RB1 value on the right like go like a Terry Cohen. He's not Terry Cohen, but Terry Cohen type value where it's like, "Hey, I keep plugging him in as my flex RB3 and there'll be a few weeks where I get RB1 value, but his landing spot is going to depend because if the NFL soured on him too, I mean he just might be buried on a team somewhere." Right. And and yeah, like he he also didn't play this year. He, he opted out early. 
Um, I think he a also, lot of those. Yeah, I think he also only played like one game this year. And also, like seriously, why do you want to stick around Kansas? I don't blame the guy. Like it was a that was a rough <laughs> situation. Man, I made a lot of money betting against Kansas. Um, it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, let's jump over to wide receiver here. Speaking of size, let's uh, let's let's skip over this first tier because I think you know there's some questions around. You know, we haven't seen Jamar Chase in a year. Waddle, last time we saw him, was limping around in the national championship game um, after making catches and, and pretty scary. But but I think we know what we're getting with those guys and uh, Devonta Smith, of course, who I would really love to hear your thoughts on is Rondale Moore, five foot seven, 180 pounds. Dude is tiny, but he is an athletic freak. He had a 42 and a half inch vertical. Uh, he ran a sub four three forty. Dude could be explosive, but he's shorter than me, <laughs> and that's and that's saying something. <laughs> You know, what's funny is that, I mean, you mentioned it obviously with Smith, but more of the same situation. And I, I said this on Twitter about a week ago uh, when this conversation started coming up about slot wide receivers and the size, there's a lot of smaller guys in this draft and why all of a sudden there's so many slot and smaller wide receivers. And, you know, maybe the college game is changing. Maybe the NFL game. I just brought it back to one thing. Nobody was complaining about Marquise Brown. Like right. Marquise Brown is a tiny dude. <laughs> and everybody's just like, oh, it's fine. He's so talented. It's not going to matter. And let's look at Tyreek Hill. Not that big of a dude. If they're used in the right way, you could even go the opposite end of the spectrum. And, you know, look, if you go to Metcalf, he's used in the right way. Coming out of college was not the full route tree. There's a reason right. Seattle used him primarily on the left side his entire rookie season. Like, you can find ways to use these players. And what I like about more is just that it like similar to, I'm trying to think like if you took like Tariq Cohen and put him in as a, like just put him at wide receiver, like put him on the field and like watch him run. Like he's just all over the place. Like you can never stay on top of him as a defender. And that's why like, I, I don't remember a lot of plays where I'm like, Oh my God, Rondell Moore is just covered. He's just blanketed. Like this guy just had, like he's all over the damn place. I, I think what I put was it, was he the, yeah, he's the one I was scrolling down real quick. He's the one where I said choosing your own adventure. Remember those books where it's oh, like choose yeah, your own adventure, jump, <laughs> jump to page 17, jump to page 43. Like that's his that's his ability out there. And I think if a team uses him for everybody that's played the Madden game, yes. If you if you this is gonna be a good comparison for a lot of people that don't understand. Again, I'm I know I always sound like I'm talking down to people. That's inherent. I'm, I'm like Sheldon on Big Bang here. I don't <laughs> do it on purpose. Um, but when you're playing Madden and you you pick some of those passing plays and you see where it has the route going in three different directions because the receiver is going to make the choice himself. That's Rondell. Let Rondell Moore do that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just go find the space because he will. The one concern, actually two part concern is obviously the size, like strong, fast, strong corners will be able to muscle him off his routes and stay on him. Um, which you don't see a lot in college, but you will see more in the NFL. And then the freelancing can actually get him in trouble because sometimes the route's going to take him to a place and he'll be like, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. Sure. And then you you miss a spot or he'll sometimes run into coverage because he's freelancing a little bit too much. But that's all like nitpicky. I think he's going to be like trying to catch a fly in the kitchen. Like he's just that good. Yeah. Where would you like, where would be like an ideal landing spot for him? Where would you like to see him where, because like you said, if he shows up on the wrong team or wrong coaching staff that doesn't want to utilize his skill set, it could be a real problem. Where's a place you'd like to see so, him land? I know this is going to sound crazy to some people, but so um, with more, if you put him on Philly, like everybody keeps wanting to put Philly big wide receivers and like all of a sudden we're writing off Jalen Rager like he doesn't exist anymore. Like, I'm by the way, out there buying shares of Jalen Rager. I'm okay. buying all the shares of Jalen Rager. Like go. we're going to write him off after one year, but put him out there, replace Greg Ward. Look, it's been fun with Greg Ward, but you put him in that position. That, that's really what it is. Any team that has that opening where you have a potential number one, number two wide receiver opening and a slot ability to step in primarily as the slot. I think that that would be a great situation. Put him with Hertz yeah. and watch him take off. Uh, put him on the Saints. Uh, that's another one. You know, Michael Thomas kind of clouds that a little bit because he's the big slot option and kind of like, yeah. But, you know, I'm looking for opportunities where you got a number two scenario where he could just kind of be out there alongside where I'm picking spots is alongside somebody else that could complement his talent. And I think you'll see some touches out of the backfield too. And that's why I said Robert Woods type value mm -hmm. is where you get some carries out of the backfield. I'm kind of looking. See if there's anywhere else. I was going to say Houston, but we don't know what the hell is going on I there. I know. It's, that's rough. 
Hell, put him on. Can we get can we get Aaron Rodgers a receiver? Oh, can we dude, put him on Green Bay? <laughs> that would be as someone who doesn't. I'm afraid of Green Bay as a Seahawks fan. That would be terrifying. He would. He, I think they would really <laughs> use him well. Um, instead of asking you a guy, I'm gonna just throw a name out here because you you talked you do talk him up a little bit. In I think it was in the comments in this article you were talking about him with someone, and he's probably got the most exciting name. Uh, it's Josh Imato Bebe from Illinois, six two two twenty. What are you seeing him that you the like? The mummy. His, uh, his uh, production wasn't all that great in college. What do you see that you like? Because he only had in his career, he's 57 catches, 942, and 12 in three years. So, I mean, USC transfer. Well, that's part of it. So remember those type of things. A lot of times when you see players transfer from big schools, take note. Uh, a lot of times things don't just work right or you get buried off the jump and just things don't click. I mean, you've seen recently there's been some players that got the hell out of Notre Dame because they were buried and then you see them have success other places so that's something that's always interesting because obviously there was a big school usc that saw talent in him and that's where it is is his athleticism is record-breaking and everybody knows his name after that (laughs) that vertical leap where everybody saw it yeah but if you just watch him he also despite playing for illinois you see some of the balls that he caught and he like a lot of wide receivers don't make those catches and you put Immature BB. Uh, that's, what, that's what we got. That's why I say the mummy. I like the mummy because the mummy's scary and it sounds like Emotep. Like that's yeah, what I think of go. every single time. Yeah. Like, can we go with this? Can we get Josh to go with the mummy? Like, I, I want to make somebody's nickname for him. But his natural ability is up there with tier one wide receivers. Natural ability. It's just his consistency and his route running, which is not a surprise for a lot of wide receivers. Definitely is a step forward. Like he's not probably going to. Not probably. He's not going to make a significant impact as a rookie. But somebody can coach him up. Um, I'll make a comparison to Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee, when he came out of college, I said about him is he knows he's better than everybody else and he doesn't take route running seriously because of that. And you saw that early in Marquise Lee's career, rounded routes, didn't snap them, breaks off, you know, kind of just lazy out of them and everything. And then about three, four years into it, it took him a little bit longer than it should have. But Marquise Lee woke up and that's when you finally saw him, unfortunately, the injuries and everything like that. But it happened right before that he started to wake up and perform. That's a similar comparison here is that he's got all the ability. He's got the natural ability. Like, you know what? He's not too dissimilar from Trey Lance. He has everything you want in a wide receiver. He just needs to be coached into putting it all into what he's doing on the field. Yeah. It's definitely a name to remember. And one that will be easy to remember because it's, it's so unusual. Oh, that's awesome. Because everybody's going to be messing it up. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just going to ask you one. I know got to let you go here. I just want to ask one question around the tight end position. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is a is a monster. Super excited to see what he can do. <laughs> I was excited. Ex- excuse me. I was surprised to see who had Tommy Tremble ahead of Brevin Jordan. Brevin's a guy that I, I've really been excited about out of the University of Miami. But but Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame. Tell me just real quick, what do you like about him? One of the things that you, you wrote that I, I appreciated, you said, well, I hate cliches because and also because it's impossible. Um, if anyone gave 110%, it's Tremble. Um, I like that because I, I do get a little bit crazy when people say, give 110%. Um, so yeah, what, what is it about him that you uh, are excited to see yeah. at the NFL level? Did you just go through my article and pick out every player comp player that I did? Because <laughs> I don't do a lot of them. And you got every single one of them. I compared Tremble, I compared Tremble to Evan Ingram. That's right, uh, I do. think Evan Ingram is a great example of him. So and Notre Dame produces tight ends. We know that. That's the one thing that they do well. Uh, and if you talk about Tremble, he got all the athleticism. And the 110% is that that dude just gives it all every single play. And that's why it actually came to the detriment of his play sometimes. Because you would see him out there and he'd just be going. Like, it's similar. You know, when we're talking about go back to Newman with the fastball. It's like not every single play you do like you can gear down a little bit, gear down and work into space. He would sometimes you'll see him at Notre Dame and he'll be just going a hundred percent and not realize there's an opening. If the, you know, he's already got the defender on his heels, just break off your route, like break off and come back in the middle. Or if it's a zone, exploit some of the zone instead of just running, he almost runs to his point and he's like, Oh my God, this is my route. I'm going to go as fast as I can get to get there. As soon as and then, yeah, as soon as possible. Um, but you see, and that's where you see it, though, because he makes contested catches better than most. Uh, you see him after the catch. 
I do not want to try and take him down after the catch if I'm anybody. He is a bull after the catch, and he's angry bull, and that's why I like him. Um, you just it, not a lot to go off of. He's somebody that people are going to look at the numbers, as you mentioned. They're going to be like, "Oh, why? Why are we even talking about Tommy Tremble?" But if you watch him play, I think part of that was Ian Book. I think part of that was the Notre Dame offense that was a very run heavy offense. Uh, you look at it. I think the opportunities he was given. He, he left some on the table because he's over-aggressive, but you see the upside for him, and that's a tight end. I want to go for upside. This is If I was talking about pure NFL prospects, Tommy Tremble is probably not here, sure. but you know, if you're talking about, we're talking fantasy here, and for fantasy, I think he has future tight end one upside, very similar to Ingram, and even including some of the drops. Yeah. Well, that's good because he's not a name that I would have thought of, and I'm Again, you know, you're trying to find advantages in, in in fantasy and guys that other people haven't heard of, maybe because they didn't put up the huge flashy numbers and you can't see them in you know the box scores. Those are the kind of guys that you can exploit in these uh, in these drafts. So Tremble's definitely. I'm in a couple of like two tight end leagues, which is just absolutely insane. Um, and he'll definitely be a name <laughs> that I'll that I'll look that'll look that'll look for. Uh, Jake, we're up against the hour. I want to thank you so much for for joining us today. It was good uh, picking your brain a little bit about. Um, about some of these guys entering the draft. You will be busy um, coming up with all this stuff. I'm excited to uh, kind of see your take on where, where these guys land and, and how that shakes out. I also appreciate, you know, some of those dating stories because <laughs> that is, uh, that's just good stuff right there. <laughs> I know. I like how people want me to fail more. <laughs> I'm like, no. is that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that at all. Uh, we just live for the stories. Everybody, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if I actually find a girlfriend, then you won't have any more stories. That's true. We'll have to figure something else out <laughs> at that point. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Everyone, again, uh, check out Jake's stuff over on The Athletic. Again, you can get a subscription. Uh, first month, only a dollar. Follow him on Twitter at AllInKid. Thanks again, Jake. Have a great day. Appreciate it.